And those uniparty politics are why we don't see anything get done in our country, right from the local levels all the way to the national levels. The reason that we couldn't get a response from our Congress people when we were reaching out to them about these mandates was because they all guard each other and they all guard their special interest groups and their lobbyists. They can't go against those people. That's why we have to do more investigation into who's running for races around us, because the grassroots candidates, we don't get that leash. We don't get that big sum of money that says, if you don't do our bidding, we don't pay you. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf. It's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then shipped to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. mycleanbeef.com dot com slash after hours. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything and to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Thank you so much for joining me again. I want to first give a shout out to all my Patreon supporters. We've got Too Tough at $30 a month. We've got an anonymous family donor giving $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando, where Patreons give $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, and Brantley. Uh, Kevin gives $10.00. And Pat and Bev also give $10 a month. The Refine Not Burned at $5 a month with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Ken, Rick, Mary, and Amanda. Addison Mulder is giving $3 a month, and Frank is giving $1.50 a month. And Encourage is Contagious at $1 a month with Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, BB King, and Caleb. Thank you so much for being willing to help support me in this. Also, if you're interested, uh, please check out mycleanbeef.com slash after hours for the best steak and meat ground beef you've ever had. That's mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. I want to introduce our next two guests. This is the Macy family. We have Mara and we have Ted. And Ted is a whistleblower. He's been pushing the envelope on what um, Teresa Long, Dr. Long, Dr. Pete Chambers, and what I have initially brought forward. He's really pushed the envelope and brought a lot of really important information out. Ted, Mara, great to have you on. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having us. So tell me what you've discovered. And, and Mara, you have some important information, too, that, that I believe you're running for uh, an elected position. Is that correct? 
That is correct. Uh, U.S. Congress, District 5 in Florida. Awesome. So hopefully this can help you get some more support. So, Ted, tell us what you found and what you've discovered and what information you want to bring forward. I think all the information is out there, but um, I believe that getting into more people, doing the podcast with you um, and, and anywhere we can is the most important thing we, that, uh, that we can do. Um, but it, it's just, it, it's more of the same. Unfortunately, the things that we're, we're finding aren't surprising. Um, I wish they were, but they're not. Uh, and as you know, like we're in touch with Mark, Bashaw and yourself and Teresa and everybody. So we've been, we've been watching it, um, for since then, 20, early 2022. And I know you guys are doing that before, but, um, it, it was important to keep an eye on it just because they said everything was fixed and, um, we got to take their word on it. So we kept, uh, following it and noticed some signals and, um, and some of the typical things, some of them, not so much, but, uh, we were actually talking in, in our kitchen with, uh, Mark on speaker one day and Mara was, she brought up, what about other things that, that you wouldn't associate with a shot? And we're like, yeah, let's, let's check that out. So, um, Fortunately, I'm still on active duty and all the things that I say are of my own opinion and not the DOD. And um, so I, I looked in into it um, and we found that external cause morbidities such as slips, trips and falls, um, weather accidents. I forget the exact name of, it, of the ICD code, but um, things like that were, were raising like hundreds of percent, which is... Uh, a little odd to say the least and and everything we look into it just creates more questions than answers um so been on a mission lately to bring it out in the public so that other that we can have more pressure behind it to um get some answers frankly because it's important and, and i and we we notice it anecdotally as well so I, the things that we look at kind of match real life. Um, and so you, anybody with a half a brain would um, probably want to look into that, I would hope. So that's what yeah, we're doing now. The information that um, Dr. Long, Dr. Chambers, uh, Mark Bashaw, and myself brought forward, one of the arguments was, and, and there may be some legitimacy to these complaints, um, that all the information we brought forward, the, the numbers may have been corrupted. And and this is what the government had said, that there was a glitch in the system and that it was not legitimate. Now, what I claim that the biggest thing is we found the problem. We, we Our numbers may have been off because there may have been a glitch in the system or the glitch may have been um, on purpose so that it looks like we're, we're wrong. Um, but now that they have allegedly corrected the information, you've been studying this. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. So um, the first... When I first went to uh, bring the information to the permanent subcommittee on investigations, that was in January. <clears throat> um, Mara and I actually traveled to DC because sending emails can only do so much, and um, being there in person and, and laying it out and having screenshots and everything printed out uh, was, uh, I think, vital to get 
the point across. Um, so that's what we did. And uh, then from there, Senator Johnson wrote a letter to uh, SecDef's office, and they actually responded six months later, I think it was, July. It wasn't quick. Yeah, it took up to July. Um, and surprisingly, they, they were like, yep, it's right. So as far as we know, everything's functioning properly. And that's a problem because there are plenty of issues in there. They were seeing now. Well, it was a lose-lose for them. Either admit that you can't get the system right, which taxpayers pay millions of dollars for, or say, we fixed it, and that is the correct data. So, you know, it wasn't going to look good for them either way. Yeah. And uh, as you know, like, Unisant also has the contract for DMED as well as uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and I believe something else, too. So they, they run the show. They... They're quite actually being paid tens of millions of dollars for labor costs. So, like in your in your case, um, with the first whistleblowing uh, data, they I just find it hard to believe that they didn't recognize an issue for that long when they have a team with tens of millions of dollars. So it, it everything is just it's suspect. Is I mean. Is, is what it comes down to. It, like I was saying, it just raises more questions and um, gives answers. Typical government. Have you been able to look into Unicent more and find out more about like where they're incorporated, who owns them, any of those that information? No, just uh, things that come up in conversation. Yeah, uh, there's things we know, but I, I don't want to speak about them. There's a uh, but that's why we're pushing um, for this to be to have an actual investigation. I mean, it's it's an uphill battle, and dealing with um, DC, it's it's difficult because everybody has a stake in something, or they're afraid to um, uh, go against whatever the donor may be. I mean, we do a lot of that follow the money type of stuff, and it seems to be. Um, the uh, status quo up there, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean we have to give up or stop because we're not going to. Um, and you know, that's it. It's done things such as like Jordan Carr, who was separated the intel officer. You know her well. Um, she ran for a state representative seat after she was kicked out, like because we recognize that it's going to start locally. We're not going to change DC. From the from going from DC, it has to start locally, um, and that's kind of what's been spawning these uh, military people and spouses to take action. And you know, hopefully, we can do something from from there. So, tell me what you learned about this, Mara. What I learned, I've always been active in politics in terms of paying attention to what was going on, especially on a national level. A local level is always a little bit different considering being a military spouse, you move a lot. So you don't get too involved in what's going on right around you, but you stay focused on what you know is going to 
always be there, which is DC and the federal government. And when this all started, I, I was, I was shocked to say the least because it was years of almost, we've been together 20 years now. So it was like 18 years of being a part of this community that essentially turned its back on us. And I couldn't believe that especially after having just watched what happened with the election, I could not believe that our government wasn't doing anything to help service members. And I thought he was going to get kicked out. And until the injunction went in place in March, we were expecting, okay, maybe Ted should run for Congress. Little did we know, um, come March when that injunction happened, he just looks at me and he said, it's not me, it's you. And I jumped into politics full speed ahead. And um, we have, to say the least, we have made quite an impact locally. And um, like Ted was saying, we do a lot of follow the money. We have gotten involved throughout Florida and we have seen just how corrupt Florida politics are. As a matter of fact, all the attention Ted has been getting over the past couple of days uh, with some things that he put out not one Florida politician will say a word because they don't want to bring any attention to either me or Ted. They don't want to gain any followers for me because they have their establishment guy in place, uh, John Rutherford, who gained a lot of national attention when he refused to vote for Jim Jordan for speaker and actually said that he wanted to teach Matt Gates a lesson. And, and that, that upset his constituents. And he has done that on several occasions where they'll call and they don't get answers or they ask him to do something specific and he just doesn't listen. He doesn't listen because he's part of that network in the uh, RPOF, the Republican Party of Florida, that really they pick who we're going to get to choose from. They pick who the Republican is. They pick uh, the establishment picks who the Democrat is. And they're, it's kind of a win-win for them either way because they get to play good cop, bad cop. If you get a Democrat in, the Republican Party of Florida gets to go, well, we, this, is, this is who we have to beat next time. Otherwise, the Republican that they're giving you to choose from is their candidate. And they're just going to go along with uniparty politics. And those uniparty politics are why we don't see anything get done in our country, right from the local levels all the way to the national levels. The reason that we couldn't get a response from our Congress people when we were reaching out to them about these mandates was because they all guard each other and they all guard their special interest groups and their lobbyists. They can't go against those people. That's why we have to do more investigation into who's running for races around us because the grassroots candidates, we don't get that leash. We don't get that big sum of money that says, if you don't do our bidding, we don't pay you. So people need to be more informed. People need to do their job. You can't just show up for a general election and expect that you're going to be able to elect someone that's going to represent you. They're not. You have to go to the primary and you have to vote against the uniparty establishment. Yeah. And it, it's actually, it's relatively simple once you get the hang of it. Um, like, for instance, I'll look into FEC, the federal uh, campaign donations. I mean, you basically search the candidate and it'll go to their pack. And I call it the, the establishment special it's all the same stuff, BAE Systems, Johnson & Johnson, Raytheon. So they have the same handlers, basically, 
And they have these people who speak very well, who are smart, but they probably don't have the highest moral compass. And um, they trick basically everybody, and it's been for decades. Um, and people just need to realize that listening to their mouths is a uh, is going to be a detriment because they they'll say whatever and they'll be they'll come across as extremely genuine. Because um, I've met some of these people and they seem like great pe- nice people and um maybe they are but i they don't uh show that through having um strength when it comes to uh pushing back against uh the system really the status quo we are screaming our country is screaming for change and screaming for genuine representation and yet we still make the same mistake that we've been making the whole time we go with whoever is put forward with a bunch of money and we have to start recognizing that if someone has that amount of money where you're seeing their signs everywhere, where you're seeing billboards, where you're seeing TV ads, unless they're independently wealthy, like Trump was, they can't, real candidates can't afford that stuff. So they're clearly being backed by the Uniparty, by the McCarthy's, by the McConnell's. Those people in the world are the people that are backing all these candidates. We have to stop doing the same thing and expecting different results. What's a good litmus test that you, you would use? Man, sorry. A litmus, the litmus test. When you look at the primary, if you look at the primary sample ballot, what you need to do, and you're you're going to want to probably vote for someone who aligns with you in terms of Republican or, or uh, Democrat. That is just the way we are by how we assume they're going to behave. So you're going to want to look at those people on that sample ballot and you're going to want to follow the money. So look into their campaign finances, which can generally be done at the state department of state, depending on, on what the candidacy is, uh, the federal level, it's the federal election commission and at, um, at other local levels, you might find it supervisors of elections websites if it's a county level position, but you need to find out where they're getting their money from. And once you see the candidate that has a whole lot of money, you know that that candidate is being put out there by the Uniparty, by the establishment, and you're going to get the same thing that you always got by voting for that person. And you also notice like uh, if there, there's a lot of individual donors, with like max amount, like for say for instance, uh, state is one thousand dollars max contribution, <clears throat> but you'll see a lot of these. Uh, it, it has to show someone's occupation, um, and it, you'll see like developer or lawyer, insurance companies, insurance, medical like, companies, real estate. Yeah. It's all the same. At least through Florida, that's how it is. Although I would suspect it's the same way throughout the whole country. That is for more of a local situation, but you'll also see the committees. So the PACs, the political action committees, you'll see that, say it's like a state representative who is a establishment guy, you will see that he received the max donation from several PACs, possibly on the same day. If you look into those PACs, you might find out that they're all run by the same people too. So what what that means is that our election laws are being, there's loopholes, they're being um, avoided by say, I want to give the candidate $30,000, but the max donation is $1,000. What I do instead is I give it to that pack. that pack throws it into different places and all donate it right to the candidate from those packs, all 30,000. Wow, that seems like that's 
an easy way to launder money or to uh, facilitate your guy, whoever that is, whoever's in charge for them to be the candidate every time. Because unfortunately, people, 100%. oh, I've seen that name before. Let me vote for them. And not, not really looking into their stance on different subjects. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Carson had a great talk about that. He said, people will look at a ballot and they'll look for the name they recognize. And it could be Satan, but they'll go, oh, I know Satan, so I'm going to vote for him. And he said, most of the time, it is Satan. <laughs> That's pretty good. Like that guy. We could turn this into a follow the money show if you want. We'll do we'll do segments, man. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Like hearing it, like it's it's, it's weird because we we uh, we show people how to do it and they get the concept, but then we'll go to our computer and we'll go to the DOS, the Department of State website or FEC, and and start painting the picture, and then they just go, oh my gosh, like this is real like this is what's happening and and that's the the frustrating part it's like people know there's something wrong and right. they get that the politics are dirty and there's dark money and all that stuff but it's different when you actually see the people and know the names and see them in person and talk to them and you go you little mother so i, I it's uh that's it, it's something that needs to have more um publicity i mean because it, it really is simple to figure we, out yeah we need to encourage people to actually start looking at the money themselves because like ted said you talk to people and you're like you don't get it they're all backed by these lobbyists and special interest groups and and they're doing their bidding and everybody goes yeah of course i know that everybody knows that that's how politics work but when you sit them down and show it to them and they can see how they're moving money around and then you realize that that development down the street is that guy that's donating all that money to that candidate and, and he didn't have to get a certain uh, permit or you start to hear about the things that how there's doing the actual things in your neighborhood. You start to really go, wait a minute, this is more real than I thought. Like, you know, it's real, but then when you see it, you, it's even more real than you thought it was. And it's it's all local, all the way to the top. It is it, it does not discriminate on which level of government. Yeah. Well, and it gets nastier than that. So, like, if you're running for a seat, the establishment, if you are a grassroots candidate and they think you're a good candidate, someone that will do their bidding, that, and they don't want you for that seat, they'll say, hey, back out of this seat. And what we'll do is we'll get you this other seat and we'll work your way up there. So you wanted U.S. Congress, but we're going to give you state Senate. There is a particular veteran in Florida that got a phone call from the governor back when he was running for U.S. Congress. And he dropped out of that race and ran for state Senate and got the governor's endorsement the next day. So they are quite literally playing chess with the people that they deem worthy Otherwise, if you're not deemed worthy, they will crush you. They will make up lies about you. They'll send out mailers. They'll call you anything from, depending on who they're marketing to, they'll call you a um, MAGA Republican or a, a super liberal. And same person, but they'll market you both ways, depending on who they're trying to get to, who, they're, who their audience is. Yeah, so. and they send these mailers to, so you keep, as, a, as a candidate, you can get um you can get, uh, what is it called, voter rolls. So who, like, there's this thing called super voters, people who voted in the primary 
three years in a row, I think that that is. Um, and it's broken up by Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, MPA. Um, so you can get these lists, like what she was saying, um, and you can direct target your mail and call uh, like a regular conservative, um, and they'll send the, the uh, mailers that this person's like a mega Republican, like Nazi crazy person. And then to the Demo- to, then to the uh, the conservative voters, the Republicans, they'll go. This person's they'll say liberal and put them like find pictures with like it, it's crazy, man. Like the and it works. That's the that's the annoying part. So that that's uh that's why we're. It's okay. all about education. Is edu- educating yourself, educating your neighbors, educating your family. I'm one of the only people I know that actually says if you don't really know enough about the candidates, please don't vote. Please don't vote. I know we we grew up being told that it's part of our civic duty to go vote, but too many people are voting thinking they know something, and that's what they're banking on. That's what the establishment banks on, is that you think you know something. That's why they dumb down our education system. Our kids nowadays are getting a much worse education than we got when I was a kid. I'm sure I was getting a worse education than when my mother was a kid. That was intentional because... The dumber we are, the more we rely on them. It's like when people say, oh, you homeschooled. Well, how are you? Do you have a degree in education? No, but I went to public school. So if they didn't do a good job, why would I want to send my kids there? It's it's really the same thing as you were always. I remember the Dewey Decimal System very well. We had to write papers from elementary school all the way through high school in my public school education. We had to research things. You know, it could be the Titanic. It could be the Bermuda Triangle, anything you want. But we had to find at least a certain amount of books, starting in elementary school, to write up an essay, a paper. We were taught to research things before we spoke on them. And now they're like, what do you mean you're doing your own research? You're not listening to the experts? It's it's unbelievable how we have come from a place where we were supposed to be educated and know how to decipher good information from bad information to the point where they're like, no, you're not allowed to decipher any information at all. You have to let the experts do it. And the experts, meanwhile, they might read a chapter, say, I don't know, on the adrenal glands at med school. But you know what? As someone who deals with adrenal issues on a daily basis, I have a little bit more of a grasp on what really goes on there. And it's just funny because people don't want to do the work anymore. So if you do want to do the work, all of a sudden you're some crazy person who thinks they're an expert, but really they're just anti-science. You know who's anti-science, Sam? You ever been on a highway in Jacksonville? (laughs) those drivers they are anti-science because they will get about this close to your bumper and i'm like these people don't understand science yeah those people are anti-science well what's interesting is what you mentioned is you know everyone wants to look make makes you say they say to you look at the experts the experts know you're not qualified to understand this uh i think probably the person that goes to school multiple years is not capable of looking at their position and saying that it's wrong because their entire livelihood is dependent on their position that they spent years of their time and hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a master's or a PhD in whatever field of study. And so it financially and emotionally, 
and and um, economically, I guess that's financial too, um, but it benefits them to not see the truth, um, you know, because they're in a higher position. They're an expert in this field, but, you know, if we're talking about viruses or we're talking about COVID or we're talking about statins or we're talking about whatever it is, if they're an quote expert in that field, they're not able to objectively look at the information available. And these are issues I'm dealing with in my personal life right now is, you know, like I've had conversations with, with people that, you know, they, you know, is our viruses what we think they are? I, I don't know. I've seen information now that makes me think that they're probably not what we think they are. I'm not hundred percent into um, one or the other theory, germ theory or terrain theory, but there's enough information there to make me go, there might be an idea in terrain theory that's that's pretty close to right. There might be something about statins that are they're probably pretty bad. You know, maybe we should err on the side of caution and not give harmful things to people. Yeah. But that's the type of doctor you are. And we've been blessed to be surrounded by doctors like you who understand that they don't know everything about uh, medicine or viruses or the body. We, I, I guess we kind of chose that for ourselves because when we did start going to see, particularly again, endocrinologists who would say, this is what the textbook says about how you need to dose for this. So this is what you should do. And you realize that you aren't an individual to that person. You are just a chapter in a textbook. And so we started moving away from those types of doctors a long time ago. But we are really blessed. We have uh, you in our lives. We have Teresa we have uh, our friend Sarah. We have a lot of great doctors that are willing to admit that there is so much more to learn Pete. than what Pete, I love Pete, <laughs> and Joe. Joe's better than I think Pete. Joe's probably think a better doctor. Joe the dog. Um, <laughs> anyhow, yeah, we're just blessed that we have people that realize that they don't know it because you can't learn if you, if you think you know everything. You just can't. You cannot expand on something that you already think you are a master of. Yeah, pride is a hell of a drug, man. That's what I've noticed. Uh, these extremely intelligent people let their emotion and pride get in the way. And that's simply, like, honestly, I think that's all it comes down to. I mean, if they just got over themselves a little bit or were open-minded skeptics, you know, opposed to, like, a closed-minded skeptic, um, that, that'll do a huge service to the medical community. Um, as you've seen and experienced, like, I couldn't even imagine. You must like go through days where you're like, how the heck am I the only doctor that's seeing this or is opening to even talk about this, dude? I'd be pulling my hair out, actually. What hair? All right, no jokes. Thank you. I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, seriously, though, man, like, we, yeah. it's just, we've been through so much crap for the past, like, over two years, and you're just like, am I in the damn twilight zone? But then you realize a lot of the information has been suppressed. And then you talk to people in the streets and everywhere else. And it's like people get it. But obviously the media has been controlled for way too long. That's money. That's yeah. money. It's all yep. money. Always it's money. Yeah. Always money. Yep. When it's interesting because like, you know, you, you, so I had this one interaction with someone who they wanted Paxlovid. Paxlovid is a dangerous medication. It has a black box warning on it. It interacts with multiple medications and you're more likely to have rebound COVID after you've taken it. And I had a patient who I said, well, uh, she said, are you going to give me the Paxlovid? And I said, well, it's not part of my practice. I don't use that. And she just looked at me with contempt because 
I guess she heard on CNN or whatever mainstream media that Paxlovid is the only treatment and it's the best treatment and it's safer than anything else out there, but that's just not the truth. And now you've got these non-experts teaching people to be experts in something they have no clue what they're talking about. And it's, it's mind blowing. It, it does make me want to rip my hair out and I'm surprised I still have any left. Well, at least it's going back on your face. That looks nice. Thanks. Dude, I know, man. So it's like the autonomy for doctors has gone away completely, and it's a, it's it's pure business at this point. There's no like doctor down the road that everybody knows. You know, what I mean, this like we, we thought the old time, like it was back in the day, but it's so controlled, just like the government. Everything's too damn big, and it, it needs to be decentralized big time because people are smart, like. A county can take care of itself with a bunch of commissioners. We don't need the like the, every other overarching government in our lives. Like we can take care of ourselves. I mean, just proving that there's, there's been there's nothing in the government that has been a success. I mean, I'm sure there are, have been things that they've come out with, but like you look at the Department of Education. Like, is there one measure measurement of success since the doe no. took over like nothing there's nothing there and it, yeah. yeah the department of education needs to go but that's not the only department that needs to go or bureaucracy that needs to go but it is the thing about like federal funding things like that people want small government at least we claim we do as conservatives that we want small government but they don't like small government when it affects them they still want the overarching Fed to come in and bail them out of things. And I'm at the point where I'm saying we can't keep bailing people. We don't even have money. You couldn't run a household like this. You wouldn't you couldn't feed your children. Imagine just saying to the creditors, listen, I got kids and I have to feed them, so give me some more credit. It isn't gonna happen. It isn't going to happen. So we have to learn to be consistent, that we have to have integrity and uh, say no to things, even when it benefits us. We have to say, this is not going to benefit our children in the future. This is not going to benefit future generations or our country. And if we keep going down this path, then there is going to be a point of no return and we will end up globalists or we will end up speaking Mandarin. It is not something that is negotiable at this point. We need to stop it with favoring ourselves and our situation. I can't believe how much it costs to rename a highway and people support it. I'm like, listen, it's the name of a highway. Who cares? We don't need to name it after the former governor or anybody that you think is worthy of it. It's costing so much money. So we're originally from Massachusetts and when you go to Massachusetts now, all the all the exits have been changed because in Massachusetts, we didn't do the thing where you measure the amount of miles. It was just one, two, three, four, five. And it, it wasn't consistent with other parts of the country. So now they've got their new exit numbers up. And then right under the new exit, it tells you there's another sign right under there that tells you which old exit it was. It's nostalgic. Remember old... Exit seven. Old we used to drive by old exit seven, but now it's twenty-eight. You know, it's like it's so. But dumb. you get to know both, and it <laughs> and it costs. It surely costs more money 
to change all those signs and then to add the sign that told us what the old sign had already said on it. So we are wasting money. Now, whether that's state funds or, or federal funds, at, at one point it doesn't matter because if the federal funds stopped coming in, then the state would be a little bit more uh, careful about how they spend their money too. But we've gotten to the point where it's just there's so many different baskets to choose from of, oh, well, this money's for this and this money. And I think the first time I ever recognized that was in the military community when uh, they, you this, this is when you first started working medical. And um, and we were talking to I think he was a physical therapist. I don't even remember what he was, but he was talking about how his funds came from over here. So it didn't matter if they didn't have money because he still had money. And I'm like, I get the idea of why we do it, but when we do this and we split it up into pots too much, we are we are just making it more confusing. It's like adding laws on top of laws. My favorite are redundant laws. Mm-hmm. Redundant. We already have a law that says that. Yes, but nobody follows it, so let's make another one. Like we <laughs> we need to make it a smaller package. We we need to make it more comprehensible like people need to understand what's going on and they can't because we keep adding more things on top of other things whether it's pots of money well this pot is set aside specifically for this reason or whether it's well this is old exit seven but it's 28 now it is quite actually something we need to make smaller rather than bigger that the whole government state federal all government needs to be smaller and back to follow the money because everything starts local. Everything starts local. Yep. I would love to see our government go back to the Constitution and follow that. Because the whole idea is we make the government small and we make it move slow so that we can't get more laws and more problems. Because the more times that politicians meet and talk and pass laws, the more problems we have. And that was the point of the Constitution. That's why they made it to where it was almost a stalemate between the Senate and the Congress, so that nothing would be moved through either unless there was an overwhelming majority. And and the idea that we vote for, as the, the local citizens of whatever state, that we vote for our senators is absolutely ridiculous because it's anti-constitutional. The whole point of the Senate is to conduct the business of the state, not the business of the people. The business of the people is done in Congress. They're the closest to the people. They're reelected the most often. But the senators for the Constitution, are supposed to be appointed by the state because they deal with the state's business, which may be in conflict with the people in the states. And so when now it's just a big popularity party. We have whoever's most popular in in my district and whoever's most, you know, for, for my congressman and whoever's most popular in my state gets a senator position. Now, whatever I want, and, and this is a problem that we've been seeing is ever since COVID, what America's always done is we I would sacrifice myself for my children. And ever since COVID, what our country has done and demonstrated is I will sacrifice my children for me, which is tragic and heartbreaking. We've put masks on kids to save elderly. Well, the elderly need to take care of themselves because the children are going to be damaged for years from putting masks on them. Yeah, and there are a lot of amendments that were made to the Constitution where you you do kind of rethink it when you reread it as an adult. Uh, Even right down to, well, the vice president was really the guy who came in second. So 
you know, is, is that okay? Or um, just the whole idea that we just keep changing it. And ter- the term limits in particular is one that I support term limits. I feel like if the president is gonna have term limits, then everybody else should. But I support term limits because people are uneducated voters. If we had educated voters, I don't think we would need term limits at all. We could go back to the constitutional value when it came to that there were no term limits. You could have done whatever you wanted, president forever, but people wouldn't have done that because they were educated enough to know that we needed to change hands at some point. Now, we would literally vote ourselves into a dictatorship. we That's how dumb our voter base has ended up becoming. And I was part of that problem. I was at one point unaware of what I'm aware of now. I'm open about saying that, that I didn't realize that when I went into the voting booth and voted for the R, that um, that I was not doing my due diligence, but I will say it and I'll say it now, but that's why I work to educate people about it now and why I try to expose the corruption that goes on. But yeah, what would happen if we went back to the constitution, just the constitution, the way it is, and really reassessed the amendments that um, I suppose we could do without. Because I, I think that there, I know a lot of people have different opinions on which amendments we could do without, but uh, I would say some of the more recent amendments are, are more likely on the chopping table for, or chopping block for the people I talk to. Uh, but yeah, it would be it would be interesting to see if we went back to the way that the Senate was elected, not elected, chosen, essentially chosen. Well, it has been wonderful having y'all on. Thank you so much for coming on with me today. Good to see Thanks, you, Sam. y'all. Good, Good to care. see you, Sam. God bless. Just a reminder for everyone out there, the duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice, has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf. It's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then shipped to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash hours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. Mycleanbeef.com slash after hours.